0: You're listening to Speak Your Style, a lifestyle and business podcast hosted by Sasha Bowlby and Liz Toombs. Hey there, welcome back to Speak Your Style. I'm Liz. And I'm Sasha. And today we have joining us Hunter Lyle, owner of Arthur Murray Dance Studio here in Lexington. Hey, Hunter.
1: Hey there, it's great to be on your podcast. What a crazy year last year, and hopefully what a great year it's going to be this year.
0: I like that attitude. (laughs) good good positivity
1: gotta stay positive that's right
0: yeah you're good at that and i'm with you i i prefer to stay positive too
1: yeah well if you don't what else have you got you know we've got to get out we got to move we got to have fun and we can't just sit in a cave all day although we all did that last year and you know you got to live your life you know you got to be safe you got to protect your loved ones and everybody that's at risk but you got to live your life and enjoy what you're doing
0: yeah i need to put hunter on my call list every morning for my pep talk (laughs)
1: You know, I'm one of the John Maxwell trainers. I work with John Maxwell's group. And it's funny because, you know, I'm working on that, getting my certification. And what I liked about it was how positive they were. And I was like, oh, I got to hear this like every day. So then I'll just keep pushing it along. So I'd be happy to do that.
0: <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that about you. I love John Maxwell and I um, have read his stuff in Success Magazine for a long time. And I kind of geeked out. He was in Lexington a couple years ago for the Um, Mitchell Family Foundation, and he spoke, and so I got to talk to him, and I just had like a nerd moment.
1: Well, you got to have that, yeah. He spoke at a seminar in Texas quite a while ago, and I was there, and I got to meet him and talk to him a little bit, and he's a really great guy, and I thought about it then, but I didn't do anything. I procrastinated, and last year, a friend of mine who owns uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, studio, one of the biggest in the world other than us, she uh, had become a trainer, and we were talking, and she's a public speaker, and I do too, and I said, she said, why don't you do that, and I was like, why not? And then she kept pushing me. And so finally I did it and it was really a lot of fun actually. And their group is great. You know, it it kind of fit really well.
0: That's good. That's good. Well, so back to Arthur Murray, do you want to tell our listeners all about, um, about that?
1: Yeah. Arthur Murray. I mean, we've been in Lexington, if you can believe it for 20 years and been teaching Kentucky to dance for that long. I've actually been with Arthur Murray for almost 35, 36 years, and been traveling. I lived in Ohio for a while, traveled the country, became a judge, coach, uh, been on TV, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff, and then my family's here. I grew up here, so I came back to Lexington 20 years ago, and we built the studio. We've been very blessed. We're one of the biggest in the world. we won top in the world for the past 10 years, and right here in Lexington, so that's exciting, actually.
0: That's really cool. How many Arthur Murray, I guess, franchises are there around the country?
1: There, I believe are about 300 to 350 worldwide in 29 different countries. We've been around since actually 1912, and we're the second oldest franchise in the United States. And privately held, been there consecutively more years, than anybody else. And the studios are really exciting because they really, they, they vet everyone and they make sure that you're trained before you become a franchisee. And you have to go through a lot of hurdles, but at the end, it's a great business. You get to help a lot of people and you get to kind of, and we decided we want to make it big. We don't want to have a small studio. So, you know, we've taught upwards of 20,000 lessons a year and we have a great time.
0: I was going to say, um, when all of the pandemic started, what were your first thoughts I guess you know because we're all business owners and there's probably a lot of business owners that are listening like did you panic or were you like okay we're gonna figure this out what <laughs> what went, went through your mind
1: you know I'll be honest with you like right now I can smile about it and we can laugh and we can have a good time but when it hit I was in panic mode um, I literally was like oh my gosh what am I gonna do because I've had a business for 20 years and I'm watching it just tank you know I'm watching the whole world it wasn't just us I didn't want to just you know cry poor me because everybody was going through it But all of a sudden, we've gone through recessions, depressions, 2011, all those things, 9-11, all those things and we always survived and prospered because we were bringing people together. You know, Arthur Murray was able to bring people socially together. If you were a single, you get to get out and meet people. If you're a couple, you get to be together. So we always survived. And now we found ourselves in the position of having social distancing, of all of a sudden we can't be together and our whole industry suffered a huge hit. So I watched studios close left and right. And in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? And our staff were really good. You know, we ended up protecting them. We closed for a while, of course. And, you know, we kind of regrouped. I spent some time redoing my garage. I mean, we, <laughs> like most people, I did all the lovely, you know, things you do around the house that are just we've you've been putting off for 20 years. But then it was like, oh, my gosh, is this ever going to end? And I did have a couple moments of panic. I went through some moments that I was a little despondent for a while because I was like, You know, I didn't, I didn't know what depression was till I felt it. And then for a brief moment, I was like, okay, this is, and I had to kind of get myself out of that, to be honest. So I can make light of that now, but it was a scary moment for our entire industry, for us. And you got to figure we were one of the most successful schools in the world. So you're watching other friends of mine, close friends that had studios that weren't as big and they didn't have the buffer and they didn't have the any wherewithal to survive the, the tidal wave coming at them. And some of them have not. And that was really sad. That was hard to watch. I mean, very difficult.
0: I can imagine that that would be really sad. What are some things that once you reopened that you were able to change so that you all could stay in business but still keep people safe and not be so worried about spreading COVID?
1: Right, you know, we were really lucky. Once we got past the panic, and once we got past the depression and trying to get out of bed every day, you know, we realized we had to regroup. And our staff have been, are very experienced. They're some of the best in the world. We've been, again, really lucky. And so we all kind of rethought the process. We decided, OK, it's got to be redone. So we instituted all the CDC guidelines all the Kentucky guidelines, we were in touch with Frankfurt quite frequently and dealing with all the things that had to be done to get back open. So we got rid of our reception area. We bought uh, stanchions where we walled off certain areas of the studio where we created like a flow path so that when you walked in the studio, you had to go here and get your temperature checked, get all the answer, all the questions, all those things and then you went from here to there, and you had to wait for your instructor to come get you, take you to a specified table that was numbered so that you were isolated from everyone else, and then have your lesson. And of course, masks were on the whole time. Uh, We at first, before we could even connect in a dance position, we had sticks we got creative uh, we had like sticks that were you know six feet apart and you would see people holding on and grabbing on like this and dancing with these sticks so you know it was really uh, it was really kind of entertaining that we got very creative really quickly and our students that we also created virtual lessons and we weren't the only one that did that some studios unfortunately are still having to do that and uh, but we did create that we actually built a website for it we didn't use it that much we we did some you know but we still have that available if we ever have to go back to it or do it Uh, but people were still clamoring to get back out so um, those were some things we did it was not easy but it was fun in that sense to recreate a whole new path and and the students were just great they were glad to get out so when they came in the first few students were really nervous you know, because everybody was like, uh, "Now what's going to happen?" And we had to have them sign a waiver, you know, saying you're probably going to fall down and die. But uh, kidding. So just kidding. My jokes are terrible. Sorry, that was horrible. But you know, we're. But again, you're you're making it safer. <laughs> you have to laugh. You just have to laugh. And so you know, nobody thought we'd be here right now. So um, you know, we did all that, and then now everything's getting back to normal slowly.
0: <laughs> it sounds like you all really. <clears throat> excuse me. Um- really tried to figure out unique ways to make it work. And I know a lot of people have had to try to do that, do that as well. Cause I know, you know, I would think, okay, well, how do you dance if you have to be six feet apart from each other with
1: social distancing? Like, how does that work? You're absolutely right. And that was the problem. People didn't think how could that be done? And, you know, and that was a challenge and a half literally, but we were very fortunate. We connected to a lot of studios during that time. We did a lot of zoom trainings. Um, I actually hosted a lot of those and we did a lot of things with those studios because of collaborative force. Try to figure out how do we survive this. And, uh, you know, and the good thing is if we do, and we will, but if everybody does, it'll be a whole new era. And, you know, we can do almost anything then hopefully. So that's the goal. At least it gives you a sense of courage because if you can do that, you can do almost anything. You know, just like you guys, you survived this period. And, you know, even though you go through the highs, the lows, the, the anger, the fear, the depression, all the things, then you get back to courage and you go, okay, I can do this. And if I can do this, you can do this. And if you can do it, someone else can do it. So it gives hope to everybody else, hopefully.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. I have a friend that um, she loves to say knowledge is power. And I feel like that early on in the pandemic, like you're saying, you know, nobody knew, is there an end in sight? What's going to happen? It was just all these questions and more Mm -hmm. questions kept coming up. And then once things started to get sorted out, it's let us get to a place where we are now that we know some things we can do and we've gotten creative. And to your point, like we're just growing from there.
1: Right, yeah, and that's a different place, you know, it's not where any of us have ever been, and hopefully won't be there again in our lifetime, you know, you look at all the TV shows that canceled all the things last year, you know, even Dancing with the Stars went through a challenge, and we were supposed to have our Dancing with the Lexington Stars 10th year anniversary last year, and of course, it was going great for 10 years, we co-founded that with Rotary, and it was great, and then it got way down too, we're doing it again this year though, fingers crossed, we have a game plan. So, you know, we're working toward that. We'll be announcing that shortly. Uh, but even the national show went through some pretty crazy bumps in the road. And we talked to the producer last year of that show. And I said to her, I said, how's it going? She's like, Oh boy. <laughs> and and it was like, that was out in LA. Cause we didn't go. Obviously we didn't travel. I mean, I had, I think 14 judging uh, engagements canceled within months last year because there were no dance competitions. So they don't need judges. So basically it was like, every time I picked up the phone, I'm like, uh oh here's another one you know here's another one but this year you know things are starting back like that so we're getting back on track
0: i'm looking forward to the dancing with the stars Like yeah
1: <laughs> you guys are gonna be part, we miss it it's like we're looking forward to it we're gonna do it this year we're gonna make it fun it'll be probably a hybrid of some sort but we're, you know, we've done some of this already we had a studio event last saturday and we did it safely with quite a few people and it worked really well so we've had two of those now and we've knock on wood I had one incident the entire year and the entire time dealing with the studios. So the, the measures we put into place were pretty extreme. I never thought I would buy so much PPE in my life. <laughs> I could buy stock in hand sanitizers at this point um, yeah. and probably should bathe in it at this point. So, you know, but literally, I uh, never thought that would happen. So I do like your, your clothing behind you back down there. It looks really nice on the screen. <laughs> let great.
0: For those listening and not watching, Sasha is sitting in her stock room right now, her um, sash and bow satellite location in, uh, at her parents' house, and so we get to see the preview of all the clothes behind her.
1: <laughs> it looks really good. You all both have so much style and so much fashion, and are both such enthusiastic people. Just getting to know both of you all through all the things we've done has been such a pleasure, so it's motivating for me as well, because you guys are always positive. You're always just really on whenever I've seen you.
0: Oh, you're sweet. Well, it's indirectly because of you that Sasha and I even really know each other that well because, um, you know, you've mentioned Dancing with the Lexington Stars. I competed in the ninth annual one and Sasha competed in the year before. And so when I was kind of feeling it out and deciding, you know, if I wanted to participate, I called Sasha to ask, you know, can I take you to coffee and let let me pick your brain about what this is going to look like. And so we just kind of hit it off and here we are now.
1: Isn't that amazing, the connections you make, you guys? I mean, it's like, we've talked about that for 10 years with dance with the Stars. Like, everybody made connections that they might not have made otherwise, and, and you all overcame challenges, because when you get on that floor, it's scary. I mean, when you get out there to dance, it doesn't matter who you are, you know, it's a little bit nerve-wracking.
0: Yeah. When she told me about like, um what was it? The lessons. I had never really been in a dance studio before. And those of you listening who haven't, you walk in and it's just one giant open ballroom and floor. And um Sasha said, oh gosh, like everyone there getting lessons at your time slot, you're all in the same room. And I just was like, oh no, I don't want anyone to I don't want anyone to look at me. And she was like, I promise you, nobody's going to look at you. Everybody's worried about themselves. And that was
1: true. Yeah. That
0: was, I think my one thing I panicked about the most when I, when I had never taken a dance lesson ever before in my life. And I remember I, I showed up and I met with Duncan and my instructor and I was like, okay, where are we going? And he was like out here. And I was like, what (laughs) we're out here with like everybody else and he's like well yeah and I was like oh dear because I mean I had no idea what I was doing but it just you know I mean you got out there but then everybody was learning something different and like nobody I mean and and the one thing I liked about it is everybody was encouraging I mean nobody knew who I was I did not know anybody that was there either but they would be like oh great job or you know you really got that move or whatever and so it—it. it helps you relax a little bit. So, you know, by the second time I was like, okay, I got this, I'm going out on the dance floor. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, it was a totally new experience, but it was really fun and encouraging. And um, I don't like know, awesome. it was just a cool thing.
1: And Arthur Murray, it's like that. That's one of the neat nice things about the studio is that everyone is so encouraging because they are all in the same boat. Everyone that's walked in that door has been where you are. And when you're in that hold with the dance teacher, you don't see anything else around you. Isn't that the coolest thing? Like you're focused on your partner, but you're not focused on the 10 other lessons happening and they're focused on them. So they're not watching you. So it's like, it's really neat. It kind of puts you in a little cocoon of safety. I call it. (laughs) I think that
0: also helps too, though, when it came time for the competition, because I mean, you were comfortable with people watching you around you, but you were still able to, I mean, I, I, I've, I completely like blacked out I think the audience and everybody else there like I mean all I remember was is I was locked on to Duncan's eyes and I counted all the numbers in my head and I'm like okay this is all I mean when it was over I was like I didn't see anybody I didn't know where anybody was at but it kind of prepped you I think for the competition side of it because you were out amongst everybody it wasn't like oh gosh I've been in a room by myself for three months training you know you've been out in with
1: everybody that is so true uh,
0: yeah I had the same experience, like, we got done doing the routine at the event, and I literally looked at Duncan, I also had Duncan as my instructor, which was just kind of funny how that worked out, both of us having him, Um, and I said, I don't remember a thing we just did, like, I don't remember anything, and I, now when I look back, there was one moment when we turned and faced the judges table, and... Um, those of you not um, familiar with the event, when you win, like Sasha did, then you get to come back and be a judge that next year. And so I remember when we turned towards the judges table, like I just remember smiling really big at Sasha, but that's the only real Aww. thing I remember about the whole day.
1: <laughs> that's the only one you saw. Oh no, we had one year, and I wanna say it was but one of the contestants we brought in at that time, it was Louis Van Amstel from Dancing with the Stars, and he was one of the judges, as our celebrity guest judge friend of ours. So he's on stage and he's judging. He's looking, you know, like Louis does. And this one couple comes up front and they were doing great. They were doing fine. And then they looked at him and they broke out in a sweat. They just froze. And I was like, oh gosh. And, like, and I was like, just breathe, breathe. And then luckily they kind of broke it and they started to breathe. But they did. They looked at him and they're like, you just see the look on their face. Like, oh my gosh. And it was really funny. And they just locked onto him. And I was like, oh my gosh. And it was, when they got out of it, they finally started, you know, moving off again. <laughs> it was
0: funny. That is funny. How did, um, how did you come up with this idea of Dancing with the Lexington Stars and like where did that first come from?
1: You know, the way it happened was such an amazing thing. It was such a crazy thing. Well, back 10 years ago, we were in the studio and I was thinking about planning a charity event at the time. And this is how it actually happened. And so I talked to another group, another charity uh, nationally that we talked about doing something. And so I bought several websites at the time. One was Dancing with Lexington Stars and there were several others. Well, anyway, that very week, they had not gotten back to me, and they just hadn't called back. I'd called them two or three times. They were debating about doing a local event, a national. We were involved in all those discussions. So, same time, parallel to that, Gerald Marvel, who was at that time working with Rotary, who's the late, just deceased, unfortunately, recently, but great guy, really good guy, really uh, magnanimous, loved to give to the community he uh, basically came in that he called me and he said, "Um, you're Hunter. And I said, yeah. He said, can I meet with you? And I said, yeah. And he said, well, I'd like to talk about a charity event idea. I said, okay. So he comes in and the two of us, he brings this idea up and I started cracking up. I said, well, you're not going to believe the conversation I just had because I was planning it. He was planning it. And it just, it was a perfect match at the perfect moment. That day is when we started dancing with Alexian and stars. And I said, well, I've got the websites. I'll donate them, give them whatever, and we'll just get this going. And if we're going to do it, let's make it big. And we decided to make it a big event, and that's actually how it happened that day. It was just the stars were in a line, everything was perfect. And if and I always wonder what would happen if the other charity had called me back that day. You know, would it have happened or not? You know, maybe, maybe not, but they didn't. So in this, it was good timing. It was perfect timing, actually.
0: That is perfect timing. How funny how that how that works out. Uh, yeah. Well, it's been one of the most fun things that I've ever done. I still have my mirror ball trophy and I've framed all my pictures from the night. Like there's a whole like shrine going on in my office.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've heard that from every winner, every person that won. They say that that mirror ball they put in the most prominent places you can imagine because it is cool. It's very important. You put a lot of work into it. You all did a lot of work to get there. I mean, you had to overcome your fears. You had to learn the dancing. You had to partner with someone and you had to do it. So you did a lot of work to get there. You both deserve it.
0: That's the only trophy I have. (laughs) (laughs) Same here. I don't have any others either.
1: Uh Oh, well, that's a good one to have. That's a pretty good one.
0: (laughs) And I have to say, too, um, it was a lot of work on on our end. But the instructors that you have out there, I mean, I know that Liz and I both had Duncan. I mean, he was amazing. I know that, you know, just from me walking in and being like, okay, I have never had a dance lesson before in my life. I want to do a pasta doble. And I think he just looked at me like, oh, no. (laughs) Like, what are we getting into? But he was so patient and so accommodating. I mean, he was a great teacher. So, I mean, it's a lot of kudos to him, too, Um, and the instructors there in the studio.
1: You know, they are really good. And Duncan, I mean, they all, I've been lucky. All of our staff are fantastic. And most of them have been there for years and years, and they're very, very good at what they do. Uh, Duncan's story was interesting in the beginning because he was a student at first. And when he learned to dance, we knew his mom and dad his grandmother everything and it was the f- one of the first dancing with the stars I can't remember what season but he had still he'd been a student and had just become a teacher really and we needed an extra guy and we went to him and said okay are you okay with this and he was like yeah to his credit he just jumped right in and he did that year and so his first event but the answer to the stars was like throwing into the deep end. I mean, it was like just jumping here and going like that. And, but all the staff have had similar or different experiences with it, and they've all done great. So they're all wonderful people, actually.
0: Yeah, I love Duncan. My face hurt most days after class because we'd laugh so hard the whole time. And then after the competition, my husband and I came in for lessons for a while, just as something fun to yeah. do. And we just became good friends with him. Like, it's yeah. just, it's been a really fun experience
1: did you enjoy taking lessons? How'd you like it taking with your husband as a couple, having lessons after? Wasn't that fun to have a hobby?
0: Um, it was, it was really fun. We'd always just make a date night of it. Um, his office is in Louisville, so a lot of times we would just meet over at the studio, do the lesson and then go out to dinner and go home. And I mean, same thing, my husband cuts up all the time. So like he and Duncan, often they ganged up on me actually, if I think back to it. And I got a lot of harassment from the two of them, but it worked out okay. <laughs>
1: We, we charge extra for that now. I don't know.
0: <laughs> You'll have to pay my therapy bill after that, Hunter.
1: <laughs> exactly. That might be important. So that, <laughs> We call it cheaper than therapy. Though. Dance lessons are way cheaper than therapy. So there you go. <laughs>
0: yeah, you're right. And it is. It's a lot of fun. And, um, you know, like you were saying, Sasha, like it just takes you out of your, your comfort zone. So, I mean, I think, Hunter, talk a little bit about like what types of people in terms of like age range or interest levels, like who comes and takes dance lessons with you guys?
1: What's exciting about taking lessons is that it's so diverse. There's, you know, you think there's one demographic, but as you've seen yourselves, you know, it's all over the place. You know, you'll have singles anywhere from 25 to 65, 75 or beyond. You'll have couples that come in because they want a date night. They want to have some fun together. Um, Both are welcome all the time. Obviously we have such a wide diverse thing. We've talked, celebrities, I've taught presidents, we've taught, you know, literally football players, athletes, uh, couples, singles, uh, anywhere in between. I mean, one day this week's uh, Tuesday, we had seven new people come in that night, and they were all so different. They were all, you know, we had some in their 30s, some in their 40s, a couple in their 50s, and one in it was 18 years old. I mean, all for different reasons. And that's what I think makes the business and the dancing so exciting, is you get to help everyone. Our mission statement in the beginning was, we change lives, one step at a time and that's how we eventually started the studio and what i think is nice is you never get burned out because every person that comes in is different like working with you or working with you you know it was different with each of you everybody that comes in has their own goal they have their own uh, reason to be there i call it and you know and whatever that reason is we can help them and have some fun so whatever you're if you're watching this or listening to it and you're thinking oh my gosh i'm nervous i can't do it give it a try because you never know you could be the one that you go and have a new hobby have a new thing and you'll be surprised. The hard part's walking in the door. Once you get there, the rest is easy. I've said that for 30 years, but you know, it's, like, it's really easy once you get there.
0: Talk about trying to walk in the door. I remember the first time I came, I sat in the car for a few minutes, and I'm like, okay, like, you, can get, you can do this.
1: Oh, get out of the
0: car, you will be all right.
1: <laughs> you know, we, we had first opened, I think it was like, we've been open a couple of years, I think it was around 2002, and there was this couple that was supposed to come in, we were getting busier, and we, they were there and there was this couple out front, and I was watching through the window, and here's this couple, and they're going like this, and then they're going like this, and they're going like this, and then finally, I walked out, and I'm like, can I help you guys find something, or are you lost, and they said, no, we're coming in, we just can't get in the door,
0: you just <laughs> paced. So your window they, were the whole time.
1: they were going right back and forth, so I opened the door, they came in, and they ended up staying for several years and having fun, but I never will forget that, because it was like, zoop and then back again that went on for a while <laughs> I do wonder how many sit in their car and don't come in until they get the courage yeah we've heard that a few times
0: that's where you need to do that like pep talk motivational thing that Sasha was talking about so that you can yeah. send that to people to listen to before they come in
1: that's right we should send this out and say okay listen to this before you get there and then right it go from there
0: <laughs> well I think you go ahead okay no I was going to say you could you need to get a loudspeaker and put it out in front of the door and be like I, you I, I, can come in
1: it doing? is okay All right, if you learn to dance, you too can do it. You know, in the beginning, before Dancing with the Stars, it was really weird because back then you had media, you had movies, you had things like that, but the guys were really nervous about coming in because, you know, the men, women would tend to drive the traffic in and men would be dragged in. Then they have a ball once they get there, of course. But with Dancing with the Stars, it made it okay for men to learn to dance. And so you'd see all these athletes and people doing it. And so we started getting a lot of calls from men saying, this looks cool. And of course, all the smart guys who wanted to date someone already figured that out because if they want to date someone, and they are a good dancer, they're gonna have a better chance. So all the smart guys that wanted to have a significant other figured this out. So Dancing with the Stars kind of changed that a little bit and then it brought people out of their shells and it allowed it to be okay to come in and learn to dance. And that was a lot of fun actually too.
0: My um, nephews in North Carolina both took Cotillion growing Uh up. So they learned to dance. Um, And I always thought that was really cool. So they were were pretty comfortable with that concept. But, um, and actually uh, Sam, and Danielle just took dance lessons with Duncan prior to their wedding in September too and they had a really good time at your studio.
1: That is awesome. The cotillion is still around. I did it when I was in high school and um, you know and then there's an adult cotillion and there was a period of time way back here in Lexington where I was actually vice president of that and I enjoyed it. I just I was on too many boards that year and I couldn't do everything so I just I kind of uh, tend to overextend myself a little so but it's a lot of fun but anytime you can learn to dance you might as well because it's a great personal what I call a social skill. We had a doctor one time come in and he was really well known here in town. And I thought, man, this guy's super popular. He's super successful. You know, why is he here? And I asked him that question, he said, you know, I realized my professional skills were at this level, but my social skills were at this level. And I wanted to do something to raise my social skills to be on par with my professional skills. And I always thought that was a great definition of a reason to take a dance lessons. Cause I thought, well, cause you don't expect that. And I thought that was kind of cool.
0: I think that is really cool because in the past, like prior to getting involved with Dancing with the Stars and then coming to your studio, I just always assumed people only took dance lessons to prepare for a wedding, right? You do that, right. the wedding comes and goes, you don't really do it again. And then I saw how many people were long-term um, clients of yours and coming in and meeting with the instructors and trying to do things like what you're saying, just up their social skills or just push themselves to try something new um and that I didn't know that before.
1: Isn't that interesting yeah I've heard that a lot and we do do a lot of wedding couples obviously because so many weddings got disrupted last year that we're really trying to help people get back on track with that and help them to feel comfortable because now when you're out on a wedding you know you get all your caterer you get your place but the dance lesson the, the first dance is videoed by everyone. I mean, you're on Facebook Live, you've got podcasts, you got, again, you're everywhere within moments. And if it's just, you're swaying back and forth like high school, you know, it's not going to look so good. So you want to take some lessons before you have your wedding, hopefully three to six months before and get ready. And you won't regret it because you're going to have that the next 30 years. You're going to replay that moment over and over and over again. And it's either going to look good or it's going to look great. So, so we'll see. Yeah. Right. And,
0: and I think, too, that it's a good way um, to get some exercise, um, like as a for, you know, to have a healthy lifestyle. You know, a lot of people may not want to go to the gym or they may not want to go out and run or something like that. So, I mean, for me, it was a good way to get in some extra exercise, too. I like that. You,
1: you notice that you exercise, but you didn't feel it until the end and that you have fun. So it's not boring, but you get the benefit. Yeah, yeah, we, it's
0: just a way to move that you're not used to. And you're right. You don't feel like, oh, I'm in there lifting a weight or riding a bike. You're just doing something and moving your body and um, getting the benefit okay. for it.
1: You know what the greatest use of treadmills are? to hang clothes on so right because eventually that's what people do so if you're taking a dance lesson every 45 minutes it's like walking a mile and a half you get the benefit without the boredom and it makes it really nice so it makes the exercise a lot more palatable and a lot more fun and you'll tend to stick with it longer which means you reap more benefits
0: hopefully and i love too how um a lot of the people that are taking lessons or that are your long-time students are actually doing the competitions too
1: they really are and we saw last year of course a lot of competitions you know of course most of them canceled because of all the COVID situation but now they're starting to come back but our students we told them it just gives you more time to prepare so now you're getting ready and we do we don't start out with people for competition because we want to give you that option and most people do come in for social dancing but along the way, you may decide you want to take it a step further, and we do that. Uh, we go to all the national competitions. We actually create some of our local competitions. Of course, uh, I've been blessed. I've been a, a national judge for many, many years. Actually, a world judge, and so you know that's a lot of fun to watch. Uh, there was a moment in 2000, and I think it was. Gosh, it seems like it's flown 2019, and I judged one for the world that year in April, and there were like over 27,000 entries that year, and just watching that was eye-opening, you know, and you got about a minute and a half to vote to, you know, you cut 24 couples down to 12, down to six, and you rank the top six. And, but people put their heart and their soul into it. So, you know, it's really fun to watch that. You're right for competition. It's really cool. They could actually probably wear some of your clothes back there because there's some great colors and, you know, the competition outfits, Are amazing now I mean we know a lot of the designers from the shows and everything some of those outfits are just really something they're very cool but you're right competition is a whole other side of it that people can do and if they want to and I tell everybody don't go into it looking for competition but be open to it because you never know you might decide you get the bug and you go you know I want to try that and give it a shot And as you all both found it's a lot of fun once you do it
0: yeah it is um when you do the judging you mentioned like cutting the couples like the number in half so is that a situation I'm just curious where each couple performs individually like on the tv show or is it the group of them on the floor at the same time
1: that's a great question it's the group on the floor at the same time most dance competitions have different kinds of of things going on once usually there are multiple students on the floor at once and it's either what's called an open or a closed category open means you can do almost anything and basically in a nutshell closed means you're following a syllabi a syllabus And so as a judge, you're watching this whole floor and you're watching all these couples move around and you've got a clipboard and you're standing there and you're marking these couples. It takes a lot of work to be a judge. And it's a very, it's an honor to get to be one because it's a big responsibility because you're putting your mark on those couples that are putting a lot of time into it and a lot of time, energy, effort. And so, yeah, you got a very few minutes to mark them. And when you have 24 going down to 12, that's something. A lot of times they will let you mark it into two sections. So you might have, you know, 12 couples here, 12 here. You're marking it, but you got to pick say for example, 12 out of 24. And so you might get two heats to do that in. So as a judge, it's, like, it's kind of wild and it goes pretty quickly. And then sometimes you'll have what we call routines, like what you all did, where you're one-on-one on the floor and you're just doing that. And those are judged, they're much easier to judge because you're really watching that person and you get more time to really critique them more too. So there's also that aspect, they call it exhibition and it's a lot of fun too.
0: Judging is tough. I, going into the um, Liz's season, When I had to judge, I was like, oh my gosh, like judging is going to be so much easier than having to learn the dance and do the competition and whatever. And I mean, I think I sweated more up on that judges panel than I did when I was dancing. I was like, I have to watch all these people. And I was trying to make notes. And I was like, but I don't want to miss it. And right. then I was concentrating on their outfits So then maybe I wasn't paying attention to the dancing. And then I was like, this is just too much.
1: <laughs> yeah, it requires a lot of focus. You're right. It's more stressful because you're responsible if they win or lose. And that is a pretty big responsibility. If you're judging a big cup, they'll usually do two hours on and then they give you a break because the mental focus is pretty, it's a lot, you know, unless you're used to it and it's funny. You saw it yourself. You did a good job judging, And but you're watching, and then you can't let yourself get caught up in the moment of, oh, wow, that's a cool dance, because then you won't watch that person, or you won't, you know, it gets harder, so yeah. It's I was job. sweating
0: bullets the whole time. I was like, I don't know about
1: this. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. You did a good job, by the way, you know, because at the end, I get to see all the marks and tally it up, and, uh, and you did a good job, so all the judges have done very well every year, and at the end, we get to see the marks, and I get the good and bad job usually of announcing the winners and so on the stage and i always like doing it but i always dread doing it because i'm like someone's going to be really happy and someone's not going to be happy so it's always interesting
0: I feel like I'm gonna have to mentally prepare then for when I get to act as a judge and like train myself not to get distracted.
1: Right, we'll help you though, but it's fun though. It's a great job, it's fun to do, it's a good honor. And hopefully we get to do it this year and we're, you know, we're working on the date. We're hoping, fingers crossed, still for the spring. We'll see what happens, but we've got a date in mind and it'll be a hybrid type event and you guys will get to be a part of it. It's gonna be a lot of fun as always and and get people dancing.
0: Those hybrid events, at least from what I'm hearing locally, have worked really well so far. I know I was talking with the the committee a little bit about some ideas and things that I had heard that had worked well. And so I think people are still clamoring to be involved in these good events. They just were trying to do it a little bit differently and um, people are willing to, uh, to adapt.
1: They are. We've done actually three since we've reopened since last year, three different events, and all were hybrids, and all were super successful. And people came in, they had a great time. And so with the format of it, we've really already got down. And so yeah, I don't think there's gonna be a problem. Like said, on the committee, we were talking about that. And it's not gonna be a hard thing to do at all. And there'll be a lot of fun. There'll be some opportunities. And you know, why not make it really exciting.
0: So jumping back to the studio, Hunter, do you have, um, like, if you think back to like all the people that have come through there, do you have like a longest running tenure or something, like someone that's been coming for the longest amount of time?
1: I do. We actually, believe it or not, still have our very first student. And 20 years ago, and I can say her name because she's a friend as well. There was a lady named Suzanne Davis that came in and I was her first teacher actually. And she came in right from day one and she is still there taking lessons. She's gone through several teachers, of course. She's competed. She's very, very good. She's a wonderful person. She was a school teacher here in town and just a really nice, nice lady. And she is still with us after 20 years. And I've got multiple students that have been 17 years, 18, 16, 15, that are still dancing. Because if you think about dancing, you all, you know, why not? If you're learning something and it's fun, it's healthy and you're not bored, you're going to keep with it. I mean, what, what's to stop you? It doesn't get any harder. It gets more complex. You know, if you learn steps one, two, three, you learn to put them together a little differently. You add some things to it, you balance it, your muscle memory kicks in, you're good to go. So you keep building on it. And there's really no reason to stop unless you're bored or, you know, you have an injury or something. I mean, but other than that, you might as well keep dancing.
0: That's amazing. 20 years. I mean, Thank even you. the 16, 17, whatever. But I mean, that's also a testament to just dancing, like you described.
1: Thank you very much. We're lucky. Our studio is, we built it to be very inclusive so that it was non-cliquish. It was very inclusive as you all found. People welcome you with open arms and they're very encouraging when you're when you're in there. And that was on purpose because I never wanted to be I don't know. I never wanted to be, I was never like the popular kid in school. I was kind of like an introvert, actually. You'll never believe this. But I was an introvert, became an extrovert, and here I am now. But, you know, I was like, okay, I can be a part of the cool clique, so I, wanted, I don't want to do that. So when I opened the studio, I was like, let's not create a clique. Let's have everybody included, and let's let everybody be a part of something really wonderful. And that's what we have tried really hard to create. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. It's pretty fun, as you all both found. People are very encouraging. That's the main thing.
0: So important too, for people to be encouraging, because like I said, I had, I was a fish out of water when I walked in there. And I mean, it was just that comfort level of people saying, you know, you've got this, you could do it, take your time. Um, yeah. which, you know, a lot of it falls back to on Duncan, just being patient and, and, and not giving up on me <laughs> uh, <laughs> when I was giving up on myself.
1: <laughs> the teachers, they do not. The teachers always believe in you. And we told our teachers early on, we always, we, they believe that we all do. We have to have more confidence than you do until you have the confidence to stand on your own. And we're always going to believe in you more than you believe in yourself because that's how you lead someone to greatness. You know, if you don't, if you can't believe, you have to have a certain level of confidence to raise someone up, to lift them up. And so even if you don't have it, you got to fake it, but you got to get there. And then eventually you have it and then it spreads. And that's kind of hope, we hope that a true teacher can do that, you know, instill that confidence and that level of encouragement and greatness that you'll eventually have. And then hopefully it'll give you confidence in other areas of your life. Because if you have confidence in one area, it doesn't tend to be isolated. It tends to spill over to something else, hopefully.
0: Yeah, if you can win a mirror ball trophy, you can tackle the world. You
1: can do anything. If you can win that trophy, you can do anything. That's right. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. We're going to use that. That's awesome. If get on the mic. If I'm on the mic this year. Like, now, if you can win a millet mirror ball, you can do anything. I'll just I'll quote you.
0: <laughs> oh, gosh. I love that little thing. <laughs> Well, Hunter. So the podcast is called Speak Your Style. So we always love to have a little question game with our guests and talking about your um, personal style in a couple facets. Obviously, I do interior decorating, so I'm curious as to how you would des- describe the style of your house.
1: Boy, <laughs> we had no preparation for this. you' good. So we caught him off guard. So for the for sure the
0: best answers. Don't worry.
1: That was a a brief brief moment of speechlessness, which is rare for me. Um, So I would call the style of this house early American, although as we go along, and I have to credit Alicia for this, because Alicia really has the style. I'm more the big picture person and things, but she really has the details, and she's more stylistic with the house than I am. I'll tend to pile things up and just be, like if you saw the rest of my office, this looks neat, but I've got it framed right about here so you know but again it's it's kind of funny when i was judging a world comp this year last year called ballroom together and they had to see my whole desk so i cleaned everything off and one of my friends called and said There is no way that's your desk. There's no way it is that clean. So I would say that my style, we're gaining, we're we're building, we have a warm style. We like bright colors. We like warm colors that make you feel happy. Um, You know, like I said, this room was really a dining room that became an office kind of piecemeal as we went along. But the rest of the house actually has lighter color walls, more of yellow tones, uh, more warm just different colors that make you feel good. And even we built the studio way back in the beginning, we did a peach color, you'll appreciate this as a designer, it was called Japonica, that was the original color of the paint, and it's been painted over a few times, of course, over the years, but that color was a peach-based color that psychology had designed that color to make people look good and feel good, and believe it or not, so yeah, there's a crazy answer for that one, and I still remember the name of the paint, because I had a psychologist advise me on that back, oh, the year 1998, 99, and, uh, and, and mention that, so Uh, That's my short answer. Okay, we'll keep going.
0: (laughs) I appreciate you bringing up the psychology part of it because that intertwines so much with design. People don't even realize it, but it would make sense that your home would be very warm and make you happy and because that's what you're focusing on with your work. So thanks for sharing.
1: You're very welcome. And when we do redirect, we decorate, by the way, I'm calling you. So just letting you know, we've already planned that. And if those watching, and I'm giving you all a plug, because you all are both great designers. Everything you do is so artistic. And everything I've seen from both of you fits the people that you do it from with. And that's really important because you get a lot of designers out there that they do a great job, but it doesn't fit the people. You all are able to fit the people, give them what they want, and it looks amazing. I've seen that multiple times for both of you.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate that. True. Now I'm gonna put you in the hot seat with how you would describe your personal fashion style.
1: Sorry, I was trying to hide. Okay, uh, my, well actually that part's easy. My personal, my personal style is probably so boring and so consistent that it's ridiculous. I tend to be a creature of habit And though I don't always like this about myself, I tend to be very much of a habit creature. So typically you're gonna see me in a white or blue shirt. Of course, I like UK, and I've taught several several coaches along the way. And so I like, but I like bright colors, as you can tend to say, I tend to wear that. Uh, I tend to like cufflinks, things that go along with it. But it's pretty consistent, it's usually a shirt cufflinks, tie, watches. I mean, you know, different things. This year I went to an Apple watch versus my conservative watch I've worn for years and years and and things like that. And I don't know. So probably more conservatively based, I would say, than anything. I try to broaden that though. Uh, Alicia tries to get me into casual clothes more and more. And, uh, you know, my, my casual is probably most people's dressy. So that's probably my style.
0: I like that, and I like the fact that you're doing, oh, I'm sorry, I like the fact that you're doing cufflinks because a lot of people don't do cufflinks anymore.
1: You know, I started doing those, and here's, when I tell you the reason why you're gonna laugh. So I'm not a very big guy, I'm like five, seven, maybe on a good day. So that's about how tall I am, and my arms are not that long. My wingspan is not that big. So most shirts you find are much longer. So early on, I'd gone to Brooks Brothers, and I said, you know, I need a shirt that fits me, and there was no such thing at the time because all the sleeves come down to here. So, French cuffs were great because you could put them on, pinch them shut, and they work beautifully. So, for years, that's all I wore were French cuffs because they fit, because they work. There's other stores now, of course, more than, you know, the retail industry is much bigger now. And so, you can find other shirts that fit, of course. But, but that's how I started with French cuffs because I liked it. And uh, my father, when he died, had some cufflinks that were like had the initials on them. So, I started wearing those. And then that's how it began, you know, and that's how many years ago. So, it's funny how and I've worn them. Now, the only thing you realize when you're in a uh, habit, is one year I had a student come in for, for Halloween and they dressed like me. And when they dressed like me, they had the blonde hair going all wonky because my hair's weird. And they came in and they had the shirt, white shirt, they had the cufflinks and they had this big cufflink thing on and they walked in with a clipboard tight. They looked just like me. And apparently at that time, I was wearing khaki pants every day because out of habit, I just didn't want to think. So they wear different pants. So they came in exactly like me. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to change my look. So it was, I became a walking uh, caricature and they did it in good humor we all laughed at that of course but it was kind of funny so I do tend to like the dress up though, more than dress down well
0: don't they say that um like Steve Jobs and all that they would you know have that kind of uniform look so they didn't have to think about it so I think yeah. it's probably a sign of genius that you yeah. wear similar clothes
1: you were very kind. Yeah, every day I was like, okay, black, brown, i got two belts. I'm like, do do you want to pick either one? And then I could think about everything else. So <clears throat> you would never guess that, but I am a little more like that, a little more conservative, slightly ADD and slightly habitual.
0: <laughs> well, what I started to say earlier when you said that your dressing down was most people's dressing up, I was going to ask if even in the year of Zooms and all this working from home, if you if you hadn't lightened up a little bit with your attire or if you still stayed pretty much the same.
1: I took my tie off. That was about it. I took my tie off and people would see me. On, I would, I'd usually put a sport coat on. So I'd have my tie off and a sport coat on when, every time I was on Zoom. And because for me, what happened, I didn't feel comfortable. Because, you know, I've learned in life that whatever you wear, you've got to be comfortable in your own skin. And you can change that, of course. But if you're already comfortable with it and you're doing a talk or you're doing something, you might as well not let that be a distraction. So for me, I was kind of like, okay, I'm fighting against the current here that I probably don't need to fight. So I just ended up taking the tie off. Wearing a coat and, you know, went on with it. <laughs> now, you can't see the bottom. Maybe I had pajama pants on. Who knows? You never know. So
0: <laughs> You can't fool us. You've stood up like three times. We saw.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. This time I'm wearing a full. I'm ready to go. But, you know, but before you just never know.
0: <laughs> oh, I'm just giving you a hard Vince, time. He was trying to go with it and you totally ruined it. <laughs> so
1: close. So you close.
0: gave him away. So close. Oh, my goodness. Well, Hunter, tell everybody how they can find you. Location, website, phone number, all that good stuff.
1: Look stuff. So if you're watching this, you know, we want to, first I want to thank you all for having me on. It's always an honor to be on here with you and hope we can do many more along the way. And whatever I can do to help you, of course, we always will. Arthur Murray's been in Lexington for 20 years. It's very easy. If you want to call, you're going to get two free lessons to get started. They're private. Try it out. If you're worried about doing it, give it a shot. Why not? What have you got to lose? And the phone number is 859 278 7711 Again, eight five nine two seven eight seven seven one one. 7711 Our website is dancingiseasy.com. It's very simple. We want to make it as easy as possible at dancingiseasy.com. Go to that. Call us. We'll set up a free lesson. What have you got to lose? Give it a shot. Try it out. You won't regret it, and you'll love it. It's 2021. You got to get out. You got to enjoy your life. Try dancing today. It'll be a lot of fun, actually. That's my shameless plug. Okay, there you go.
0: We'll take it. That's great. Thank you so much. This was so fun to get to talk. Yes, thank you. Thanks for listening to Speak Your Style. Your feedback means a lot to us. Please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have any feedback or special requests, you can direct message us on social media. You can find me, Liz Toombs, and my business, PDR Interiors, on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And you can find me, Sasha Bowlby and my business, Sash and Bow Boutique, at Facebook and Instagram.